Smartcast. When we move from the physical body of the five element into the dream body, with the idea that we are not this body, that we are an eternal being, an individual, a mortal atma, who has descended here into this physical body to have a particular experience, we are much more like this dream body than we are this physical body. Therefore, when, when we're stepping into that, into that place at night, we're experiencing much more of, in terms of my experience of who we really are. Welcome to the Cosmic Love Antenna Podcast. This podcast is meant to encourage you to connect within so you can share your light with the world. And now, here's your host, Harrison Ma. Harrison Ma. Harrison Ma. Welcome, mystical beings, to another episode of the Cosmic Love Antenna. This is your weekly installment of your inner connection to your outer expression, where I, your host, Harrison, with the beautiful guests, I get the pleasure of holding space with set the intention of holding powerful, holding a powerful container to pull back the layers, restricting health, alignment, and love. And today is, I'm really excited for this conversation. I'm excited for all the conversations that I have, but today is a, it's going to be a powerful one. And I can already, I was just sharing with the guest, uh, had trouble sleeping last night because I was so much moving through me before I passed to this powerful soul and this powerful guide, just a reminder, beautiful beings, if you get a bit of value out of this chat today, if it brings some things up in you, if it brings some deeper awareness, how you can support the show is by sharing this episode across the podcast universe to your friends, your family, your lovers. You can leave your feedback and reviews on Spotify and, and Apple reviews in the review section. And remember, you can now join the Cosmic Love Antenna Facebook group and tribe and community over on Facebook. And I would love to see you there. But today on the show, I have the powerful Jason Picard here with me. Jason is a fam is a fellow holistic lifestyle practitioner. He's part of the Czech family. He's a process oriented, uh, studying within the process oriented psychology and, and psychoanalytical realm. He is a powerful healer in his own right, a dreamer of the dream time, a shamanic practitioner, and just a beautiful soul. We're going to get into today the difference and the diving into the dream time and dreaming where we go within these spaces and places practices and rituals to create the dream that we desire mystical and spiritual perspectives and so much more jason my beautiful friend welcome to the cosmic love antenna it is so good to be here i'm feeling that same energy that you're talking about just <laughs> just really lifting me up right now uh, yeah i um it's I've noticed it, my friend, on this, uh, something about podcasts. I don't know. I'm sure you've experienced it on other shows you've been on. Something about podcasts and the container that we can make across time and space. Like you're on the other side of the world. I'm here in Australia. That doesn't matter, right? It, it, the, the energy, the container that's created seems to, seems to really make the magic occur. Does that, do you resonate with that, my friend? 100%. I mean, what, what an incredible way that we can now all connect with each other in places that we never would have explored before teachers that we can meet that we never would have had access to courses and it's all about it's it, this mood of this mood of sharing sharing what we lo love to do sharing our own experiences i think we all love to show our friends or our family oh look at this great piece of art i made or this song i wrote or this poem i wrote or this movie i watched we all love to share we're sharing beings. And yeah. I think 
in, in that mood is why podcasting is so enjoyable. Yeah. And I think another lens to it is that it's, it's mostly voice only, right? Unless you're watching it on YouTube or something like that, it's like 90% the voice. And as I'm sure we'll probably get into today, our voice is one of the aspects of us that help us co-create with the universe, right? When we start to use our voice, we start to, you know, um, manifest what our heart desires. And when we do that with someone, it's kind of like it's, we're manifesting back and forth together. And that, I think people feel that, feel that, that power, depending on what the topic is. Totally. Yeah. They say in, in the beginning, there was the word. Yeah. And the word, the word was Om. Yeah. And so we, we are beings of frequency and vibration and energy, and we so easily forget that. But when we, when we find that right resonance and we tune into that frequency, it gives us a direct experience of what we're looking for. And so if you're listening to a podcast and you're feeling that resonance, it's the frequency that the podcast interviewer and the guests are holding yes. in which, you, in which is, is capturing you. Yeah. Oh, so many pieces. I can jump off there, my friend, but let's, <laughs> let's wrap, let's go step back a little bit. I want to, for people that don't know who you are, how I like to sort of start these shows is going back a little bit into your past. And I, I think that the most powerful moment is the moment we're in right now, but the, the history does help us connect to people that are new to our voices, new to our souls. And how I sort of frame this stepping back a little bit is talking about your pain teachers, my friend, and particularly the biggest one. I would encourage people to go listen. If you're tuning into Jason's voice, go listen to his interview with Mr. Paul Check on the Living 4Ds podcast. And he, you detailed your story quite in depth and it was a very lovely listen. <clears throat> but today, Jason, I'd love to pull out the, the pain teacher. When you think back at your past and, and the soul that you are here today in this moment, what is the pain teacher that stands out the most for you that has really defined, you know, the work that you're doing now, the, the people that you help and the love that you bring to the world? Great. Yeah. So I think my, my, my little bit of a biographical summary might uh, illuminate that question. When I was a child, I was living in a sort of a mainstream environment. I didn't have many of these, you know, great teachings and wisdom teachings around us. I was born in, in Long Island, New York, um, very kind of mainstream upbringing. My first loves, interestingly, were drumming and magic, but I very quickly moved away from those and started focusing on becoming a good student and this idea of building a resume and getting a great job and going to college and being successful. I went through a very mainstream education. I went to the University of Virginia, which is a wonderful university. I studied, I was really focused on going to Wall Street. I was very focused on being a successful financial trader. And by the time I was 26 years old, I was now a portfolio manager at Tudor Investment Corp, working for legendary trader, Paul Tudor Jones, who is one of the most famous traders of all time, who became my mentor. So I was 26 years old, I was working for Tutor investment. I was becoming the youngest portfolio manager, the youngest partner ever at this firm. I was running a $1 billion portfolio. I was ranked as one of the top 30 traders under 30 in the world, but I was 330, 
Jason, let me yeah. jump in because I've just yeah. I, I've heard you share the story, and it's so it's so it's magical in so many ways. What how how does it feel to get to that point? Right, and I was listening to you speak about this on some other episodes, and this was the question that was bubbling up for me. And I, there's a book. I'm forgetting the name of the author, but there's a book called The Two The Two Mountains. And the two mountains, there's this idea that we all have this uh, idea in us of, of gaining the heights of this momentous ladder that we want to climb. And then we get there, we find out that, oh, there's another mountain behind it. It's actually of a different kind of nature. So I'm wondering, like when you've read, it seems like at the age of 26, 27, you know, you seem to have ticked off all of those major sort of goals that you have as a, a human on this planet. When you got there, how did it feel? Well, that was the paradox for me was that I achieved this great success, but at the same time, I felt this complete aloneness, this complete smallness. It didn't matter how many private jets I could fly on, how much champagne I was popping or spraying on people. It didn't matter how much money I made or how much, how many accolades I had. It didn't, it didn't fill me up. And Joseph Campbell talks about, we spend most of our life climbing up the ladder to realize when we get to the top that it's on on the wrong wall. It's been on the, the wrong wall. We've been climbing the wrong ladder the whole time. So this was this big paradox for me is that here I am on paper, extremely successful, but I felt the complete opposite of that. I felt that no matter how much material wealth and how many accomplishments I actually were able to achieve, nothing actually made me feel that same way. In fact, I felt the complete opposite. It's almost as if I felt smaller and smaller and smaller throughout that process. Mm. Yeah, I think, thank you for sharing that, Jason. And I, there's parts of me that are, are really excited to hear you say that because, you know, while I, in my history, I haven't had the, the, this, the exponential climb in terms of monetary and physical success that you've had, there have been parts of me that have craved that, that have craved that sort of, you know, superficial uh, reward, you know, look at me, I did all these things and look at how much I've climbed. But then there's also parts of me that realize that, you know, those are, those are valuable and they give us insights and lessons and they help us see parts of us. But there is always, there's also this deeper meaning. There's also this deeper space that is wanting to be birthed, you know, in the many ways I'm sure we're going to get to today. So. And then I'll just com comment on that real quick. I don't, I don't want to give the impression that throwing away success or throwing away monetary gain is my cup of tea. Um, in, so, in some regards, I, I did sort of push that away a few years ago when I retired from Wall Street to move into being a holistic life coach and, and healer and teacher and these, these other um, therapeutic roles. However, it only, I only found that that's just as much a part of me yes. as, th as this new yes. kind of persona is. And for me, it's about being a bridge between those two worlds. How can we be in the world but not of the world? How can we be in Wall Street, but also be working towards a larger vision and goal and take care of herself, take care of our family and the world at the same time? So I think being fluid, fluidity yeah. and not having rigidity in our roles and in our places in, in society is very important because it's not about just pushing that all away. It's yeah. about doing both. Yeah. Well, it's 
we could connect it to the idea of shadow work, my friend. I'm sure that you've you've looked into a lot of this through the psychoanalytical lens that you've done a lot of work in. When we do shadow work, we want to integrate a part of separation back into the whole. The first step of that shadow work is loving acceptance for that part. It's loving awareness. It's loving forgiveness, right? It's not saying that this thing needs to be further away. It's seeing it for the lessons that it did give us and the value that it did give and now bringing it back into the wholeness to take a step forward together. And I think, and I want to highlight this today, I think you have done a beautiful culmination of that in many ways. Let's let's switch now with that sort of foundation. And I think listeners out there can understand here why I was sort of pulled to this beautiful soul's work and what he does in the world. And I wanted to make the theme of this episode the dreaming and the dream time and creating our, our, our dream reality through not just what we are doing in this waking state, but also where we go to at night when we sleep. So I guess where I want to start here, my friend, I would love to get your perspective on what is the difference between the dreaming and the dream time, which we experience we're experiencing right now as we create this podcast and the space that we go when we go to sleep. What is your opinion and perspective? Yeah. My opinion is that it's all important and really much of much of the same when we're dreaming at night, we're experiencing without the filter of our, we can say our, our primary identity or, or our ego that is blocking these experiences, sort of like going into a shamanic journey, um, your, your ego is disabled where now you can see the truth that's around you. That's sort of like what's happening at night. However, that same process is happening all the time. So we have the nighttime dreaming, we have our living dream, and we also have these things that are happening such as daytime dreaming, which are yes. various flirts and synchronicities and flickering experiences and body symptoms and gestures. So spontaneous movements even. So we realize that there is a continual dreaming process that's just happening all the time. You don't have to go to sleep at night to dream. You can step into this at any time. And this is the work that I'm studying in, in process-oriented psychology uh, through Arnie Mandel's work, that this dreaming process is an endless source of creativity. and any time that you can just catch the tail of it, it's the beginning of evolving yourself to your wholeness, the tail of catching a creative process. So dreaming is the birthright of everyone, not just to those who think they're artistic or come from a particular culture. And Arnie Mandel talks about marginalizing dreaming is one of the greatest ways to get what he calls a mild chronic depression where you feel this sort of flatness in life that there's really no purpose or oomph behind what you're doing. You just wake up, you go to your job. You might not be clinically depressed, but you just don't feel that life has this great enthusiasm. And so one of the greatest ways to get into that rut is by marginalizing your dreaming process. That's just not only your nighttime dreams, but that's when you're look, when you were uh, in elementary school looking out the window, daydreaming uh, and looking out at a tree or a bird and the teacher goes, pay attention, look back inside. Instead of saying, you know, being curious about what are you following? You know, amplify that. 
Maybe we need to move the class outside. Maybe you need to be in nature. Maybe we need to move like a tree right now to get to the essence of what's actually unfolding. So really awakening to the fact that everything around us is part of a dream. Everything around us has a symbolic meaning for us and is really interacting with us and guiding us into our wholeness to awaken to our full potential. What an answer, my friend. <laughs> I, I, I knew that that question would be a very powerful start to this deep dive of the, of the things that I know we can share together. And so a couple of things bubbled up here, more than a couple, but I'll try and narrow it down. Uh, first of all, that, that disconnection that you spoke of the, you know, I don't want to say numbing, but sort of the disconnection from our waking dream that we all deserve to lean into the creation energy that we all have and the forgetfulness that we actually have that creation energy. You know, I look at the world at the moment, myself included for a long time, and maybe you too. So when, you know, on that rise up through the, the finance world that you lived in, but there are so many systems, big systems in the world at large that create a kind of person that by default, they are disconnected from that creation energy or disconnected from that ability to dream the dream that they deserve to dream. But the flip side to it, and this is, you know, this might be controversial to say, this is why I'm really grateful for what happened with COVID and the pandemic. The, the pandemic for a lot of people, myself included, was a wake-up call, right? It was a it was a great awakening and a remembering to the creation energy that has been there the whole time for a lot of us. I, myself, a big part of my business was created in the pandemic time because of some of the parts of me that were awakened due to the pain that was initially caused from the isolation, the lockdown, all the things. So I'm wondering, you know, and this is not on my questions, my friend, but this is just bubbled up. What do you think that the, the pandemic and, you know, maybe let's go beyond the pandemic, just large collective events. What do they, how do they play a role in helping people dream a bigger dream? Well, large collective events show us all of our connectivity yeah. in that we are, we are all in this relational field, right? As, as a therapist, when I'm working with a client, I'm realizing that there is myself, there's the client, but there's also a shared field. There's a shared process that we're working on where so many times I go into a session and the same thing my client's working on is uh, a shade of the same process that I'm going through. And this is the same thing with the entire world, right? The same thing that's happening on the outer is happening on the inner as above, so below, as without, so within. So we're all a part of this entire a larger field of connectivity. And that's why working on yourself is the most important thing you can do because you're connected to all there is. So at the same time, as we're, as we're connecting and we're working on our shadows and we're resourcing and we're, you know, learning the lessons of the pain teacher and we integrate that we're having an effect on the larger field. There's no, there's, you know, quantum physics has shown us through non-locality and, and through various different experiments and this goes all the way back to the Vedas and, you know, historical scriptures that we are, while we are all distinctive and individual, we are also connected. And we are all sharing a dream as well as having our own individual dreams as well. So when you think about the, when you think about the pandemic, 
you know, it, it's, it's not, uh, it, it, you know, there's, there's really no such thing as good and bad, right? Good is God with two O's, which means nothing. If you ask, if you ask a hundred people what God means, they'll all give you a different answer. And bad is a term that was originally comes from badling and badling being somebody that's born with two genitals, both, uh, both female and male parts. It's not bad. It's just descriptive term for having uh, sort of an abnormality in, in your biological being. But we, we, we've, we've forgotten that everything in consciousness comes from polarity. They say that, they say that the church created, shined a light so bright on Jesus that they paradoxically had to create the devil. So, you know, the same pain that we're all going through in COVID is offering the same opportunity to resource and to awaken to, to our, our full potential. So I think we all have realized that we need to take better care of the earth. We need to take better care of ourselves um, and, and, so, and so forth, right? And so for me, one of the things that this is calling into us is calling us to move from childhood to adulthood. You know, how, how many of us are just downloading the given story from authorities and and just taking it verbatim versus having to stand up and say, I need to think for myself. I need to become an adult. I need to make my own choices and I need to decide what's right for me and what's right for the planet. So we're all experiencing this together and we're all breathing the same air. We're all drinking the same water. We're all eating the same food. We're all living here on the same planet flying through space at inconceivable speeds. So there, there, there's no way to disconnect you from me, right? Yeah, it's, and I, I thank you for breaking that down, my friend. Just for people listening, if you're getting triggered by some of Jason's words, I would highly encourage you, as I always do on this podcast, to don't turn off this episode. Don't step back. Don't, you know, pretend this doesn't exist. I would lovingly invite you to sit with the emotions that are coming up because Jason speaks a lot of truth right here with that, especially with all of what he said, but specifically with the, the, the impetus for us as individuals and a collective, but starting with us as individuals to really step into our power and grow out of that being that, you know, for me, for example, I grew up in an education system that taught me what to think, not how to think. And that led me into my teens and early adulthood sort of always seeking external power forces, people, places, and things to tell me what to do. And I, I heavily relate. And I felt parts of me being triggered with what Jason was saying, but those parts, much like we were talking about before with the shadow need to be, we need to hold space for them. We need to accept them. We need to invite them back into the hole so we can take a step forward together. Jason, I want to take a step back to something you said before, because I don't want to, I don't want to miss this part. And I want to get your perspective on this. You talked about how, and the place that we go to at night when we dream, when we have nighttime dreaming, our, our ego is, is to, sort of takes a step back. And much like a plant ceremony, our default mode network, which is very much a part of the ego system, is sort of on rest. So what happens now is sort of a, our spiritual essence can run wild in the, in the dream time space. My question for you is 
how can we learn to cultivate more of this spiritual connection, especially in the dream time state? Because I have a lot of people that come to me, just to give this example, a lot of clients coming to me asking me not just how to break down the dreams and the meaning behind them, but how can we lean into more things of the spiritual nature while we dream? So, you know, past lives, you know, going back to different planets that we've lived on, things like that. What, what comes up for you around this? Well, there's a lot there. You know, first, I've learned from my teacher, Jeffrey Armstrong Kavindra Rishi, who is a, a scholar on the English language as well as Sanskrit, that spirituality means to breathe. So when, when we say we're on the spiritual path, we're really only saying that we're breathing. So that really needs to be defined a little bit better in terms of being on this path of yoga or this path of individuation or dharma. And the same thing with, with ego. Ego really means a sense of I-ness, but we don't have these sort of, we don't have these words in English to really describe them. So in the Vedas, they talk about first being ahamkara, which means I'm identifying with this physical body. Ahamkara being the five element body, going from the most dense earth to water, to fire, to air, to space or akash. And then we move into what's called the dream body or the anti-karana, the karana being our physical body and this vehicle that we're driving and moving into the anti-karana, which is the dream body, which is the, the manas faculties or thinking, feeling, willing, and memory, our buddhi or our, our ability to have discernment. And then finally, this most subtle layer that comes over us, the hamkara, where we identify ourselves as this physical body. But when we can, when we move from the physical body of the five element into the dream body, with the idea that we are not this body, that we are an eternal being, an individual, a mortal atma, who has descended here into this physical body to have a particular experience, we are much more like this dream body than we are this physical body. Therefore, when, when we're stepping into that, into that place at night, we're experiencing much more of, in terms of my experience, of who we really are. And the best way, the best way to really explore this, I would say, is through, is through the, the daytime, interestingly. So having a relationship where you're walking down the street and all of a sudden a red flower or an animal or a person or an experience catches you. That's your dreaming faculty, literally your environment dreaming you up in relationship to awaken you to something. And so just by following those flirts to say, okay, what is about it that I'm noticing? Why am I noticing this particular person or this particular flower or this particular color? And following that and unfolding that, that is the greatest way to step into it. There's a million ways to analyze dreams at night. There's a million ways to step into this dreaming process. And none of them are, are better than any other ones. So there's a million techniques we can go to, but just the idea of participating and living in a dream and awakening to that unfolding, for me, is the first step. And that brings a lot of magic and mystery to your life because all of a sudden life becomes purposeful where things that are unfolding around you are happening for you instead of just mechanically or against you. Yeah. I'm hearing a lot. That was, a, again, a beautiful breakdown, my friends. I'm hearing a lot of, and we talked about this before, really this illusion of 
separation and disconnection between not just us and other people, but as we're talking about here, the environment and not only a illusion of separation, but a, this beautiful microcosm of the macrocosm, right? As we, you, you gave the beautiful image of the, the Dreamtime state and, and spirituality as the breath. And I would take that a step further, my friend. I don't know. Have you have you spent much time with Joe Rushton in the in the in the Czech family? So, I, I, I've I've of course know of her. I haven't yeah. I haven't had the opportunity of really spending time with her personally. So I'm um I'm doing a, a mystery school with her at the moment, and it is about connecting into more of my spiritual abilities and 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 a spiritual nature of life. But within that mystery school, we're learning about this idea of channeling and, and connecting into our spirits and all of these beautiful things. Yep. And one of the images that we were sharing in the, in the course a couple of weeks ago was that that breath that you just spoke about, we could actually take it even further back and say that that is really how God and oneness expresses all of the individuals, right? So whatever people listening out there, and I want to get, this is what I want to get your perspective on, sir, see how this matches into everything that you're saying whatever your perspective is on a higher power, whether it's Allah, whether it's God, consciousness, the field, the one mind, the thing that they all have in common is it's, it's a oneness. It's a one source. And that one source expresses out into all the beautiful, unique expressions that we are. And that is where you can connect the breath. God breathes out and creates all of the expressions, but then God breathes in with all of the experiences that those expressions have moved through. How does that yeah. fit into what you're saying? Well, I think it's sort of a yes and, right? So you have, if you can imagine uh, the metaphor of a, of a movie projector shining a movie onto a wall. We're sitting there in the movie theater looking at the wall and thinking that that is the image. So we just keep running into the wall and running into the wall and running into the wall. And we say, okay, that this wall, this image is not the object. And that's Buddhism, really. That's naiti. I am not this wall. I am not this image. And that's sort of the, the, the emptiness camp. So then we turn around and we see that this is all coming from a projector. So we move towards the light. And all of a sudden, we're right into the light. And the light is so bright that we, we're just completely blinded. And then we kind of turn around and realize that that light that's shining onto the wall is made up of hundreds and thousands of, of individual rays, almost like rays of the sun. And that is our individuality emanating from that oneness. So it's easy to say, yeah, it's all oneness, but that throws away the individuality and the importance of our responsibility to be ourselves. So my answer is it's, it's a yes and. And the interesting part is that if you move through the projector, into the film room, you see that there's a film being projected that actually took place somewhere else. There's a director, there are actors, there's all of these people that, you know, somewhere else this happened. So this is almost like a projection of a virtual reality into where we are. So there's all these different ways to look at it. Yes, there is oneness. Yes, and you know, what I've learned from Jeffrey Armstrong is that we do all emanate from the same place. And in our essential nature, we are the same. Yet we are, we are also 
individuals. Yes. Distinction, distinctions and differences are real. Yeah. And we're all, we're also the same. Yeah. I think this is also where the power and the universal law of free will comes in too, right? We have that free will choice to make those beautiful individualized expressions and choices within it. I love that analogy of the projector. I haven't heard that before. My friend, I want to take this in another direction now, still within this sort of dreaming sort of system. And I want to sort of share my experience here and then get your perspective on this. When it comes to our dreaming and and creating the world that we want, creating the goals, the passion, the 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 life that we deserve through our dreaming, whether it in the in this in this daytime dream time, dreaming or at night in our dreams, one of the challenges that I, I feel I've definitely faced and other people have in the world is the externalization of the self, meaning that we we go outwards and project our our desire, our dream, our goals, our value on outside things, people, places, and things. So for me, for a long time, it was substances, alcohol, uh, drugs, and you know, traveling, women, all these things. And there are parts of me that, and we, we talked about this at the beginning of our chat, that hold guilt and shame for those choices. And that when I was in that, in that act, in that experience, I wasn't being spiritual. I wasn't connecting into the dream time, but I recently read a book that I'm sure you've read my friend, the shaman's body by Arnold Mandel. And in there he talks about, and this really illuminated me. And this is what I want to get your perspective on. He shared the experience of the natives of Australia. And I'm sure this is a, a, a global phenomena, but he gave the example of the natives in Australia who who succumbed to substance abuse, but he talked to a, a, I think it was an elder and it was, he was explaining that even in that substance abuse, there was a part of them that was still seeking this higher dream time, spiritual connection, even though from the outside, it looks like we can, we can project that that person's just abusing a substance. So I'm wondering what bubbles up for you around this, around this idea of, the externalization of the self, substance abuse, and its connection to the dream time and the dreaming that we all have. Great. Yeah. So the, oh, that the, was a lot. That was a lot. <laughs> no, it's good. You know, this is the same thing that happened to, to the native Americans in United States. You take people who are living in reciprocity with the land who have a connection to spirit and a greater purpose for life and you come in and you just denigrate all of their ways of living. You take them off of the land. And now you're putting them from circular based teepees into rectangular buildings and you're stripping them of their culture. You're teaching them a different kind of education. You're doing all these various things. And ultimately you, you see that what, what arises is addiction. And this addiction for example, if we think about alcohol addiction, we alcohol is called spirits. But what's really happening is we've lost our connection to the big spirit, yeah. capital S, right? It's it's this sort of numbing or this this pacifying 
of really a deeper longing to connect to something greater. So when you, when you come in and you take away the culture, you take away the way of living for various groups, it's not a surprise that what slips in is addiction. And that addiction, that addiction in Arnie Mandel's work is really another part of the dreaming process. In fact, it can be looked at as an ally because underneath that addiction is something that is trying to awaken you back to your, your wholeness and to your connection. And, you know, Angelus, Angelus, Aaron, thank you. Yeah. I mean, it is powerful. And, you know, Angelus Arian, speaking of addiction was a wonderful uh, mentor of mine. She wasn't, I never met her. She's hasn't been alive since I've looked into this stuff, but I just felt this very deep connection to her, which it's hard to explain, but she went around the world and she studied various cultures and found that there are there are four universal categories or types of addictions of or and where these come from. The first one was an addiction to intensity. So there's this fear of being dull, boring routine. And, you know, in that one, there's this passionate heart that is waiting to be claimed. There's an addiction to being fixated on what's not working. And what's waiting to be claimed there is this gift of vision, um, focusing on what is working or shape-shifting your experience. There's an addiction to the need to know and control. And what's waiting to be claimed there is trust and patience and wisdom. And finally, an addiction to perfection, mm-hmm. not tolerating mistakes. We dehumanize ourselves and others. And what we can what we can claim through that is a commitment to excellence, excellence mm-hmm. in action as Dr. Kareem says from biogeometry. So underneath these addictions is really a part of ourselves dreaming us up to reestablish our connection to our larger life myth and purpose and wholeness. Yeah. So that's the, thank you for outlining that and those four aspects of the addiction. I've heard, um, I've heard Paul speak about that a lot too. So it's nice to hear yeah. your beautiful perspective on that. And it hit me differently. I, the, that foundational point there that really that I that you elucidated on is that, that it, those addictions they're still a part of us that is craving and moving towards that higher dream time state and I, why I wanted you to break that down is to really help listeners out there that might have have hold that guilt and shame around like I did for a long time around those past choices that we did make maybe in the throw of an addiction to help yourself forgive right because what what Jason just highlighted, right? I felt it moving through me. I felt it through moving through me and helping the parts of me to finally let go, right? Of the judgment, of the shame, of the of the belief systems projected on the choices we made in that throw of addiction. Once we can understand, once we can give ourselves a bit of love around it, right? That's really where healing starts to begin, right? And maybe we can see which part, which of those four aspects of the addiction we fall into. Yeah, and how else? How else can you help anyone else without having experienced it yourself? Yeah. Um, speaking of, speaking of the shaman's body, Arnie Mendel talks about this concept that Castaneda brings up from all the Don Juan novels about a petty tyrant. So they say Don Juan says, "My benefactor used to say that a warrior who stumbles on a petty tyrant is a lucky one." So a petty tyrant is a person who causes distress by imposing his or her will on others. Um, using psychological pressure. So I don't know, you know, for me, I had a really tough football coach when I was 
growing up or, you know, a tough teacher or, you know, the, the, these different things in life that we meet, you know, where we meet oppression and we meet this resistance, right? These petty tyrants, these, these button pushers, these people that can throw us off balance are really our most effective teachers because they force us to closely monitor our own reactions and our habitual behaviors and really, you know, not only stand up to them, but find our way through them and, and get resiliency and more knowledge on this path. So, you know, addictions, you know, bad dreams that we say, or difficult people in our life that we're in conflict with, all of these things are part of our own dreaming process in order to awaken us to becoming more whole ourselves. Yeah. Oh, I love it. And the example I would give within the dream, and because you just said, you just hit on it very briefly there. The example I would give for people that have listened to my show before me talking about nighttime dreams and lucid dreaming, you know, look at nightmares, nightmares that we have also fall into that category of what you were just describing. They're such beautiful teachers, right? The, the key to moving through a nightmare is to not keep running away from the thing that you're, that you're moving from the scary dog, the, the creature, the man, it's to actually turn and face it with love and acceptance. And when you do that, the, the scary figure transforms into something you're meant to see. It's an aspect of self that for whatever reason, yeah. unconsciously you're probably shifting from. I, lo- I like, I love to just say two things on that real quick. Yeah. One is yes, you're right. You know, maybe it's that you need to become that dog. Yeah. Where do you need a little bit more bark in your life? Where do you need a little bit more of that primal energy? So we look at these things as good and bad. Oh, that was a bad, scary dream, but we're the one producing it. It's the same way as that we, you know, if we take a psychedelic medicine and we said, oh, I had a really bad trip, but you. all that's ha- all that's happening is we're seeing what's lying underneath the surface of our own psyche. You know, the, the drug or the molecule we're taking is not programmed with this movie, this horror movie to show us, it's just showing us what's already there and buried. So yeah, I, I always laugh when people come to me and say, oh, I had a really scary dream or I had a nightmare. Um, to me, it's just, that's your own psyche bringing a level of intensity to really wake you up to this point that you need you need to look at this. Yeah, uh, beautiful, my friend. That's, uh, I hit that point all the time and it was nice to hear you emphasize that. I hope people are listening that hear me talk about dreams all the time. That point. And, it's, and this is, again, this is not a dream thing either. This is not just a dream thing. I was having the same conversation about money yesterday, right? And how people will look at, I was sort of coaching someone around money mindset and how, you know, if we look at our bank account and we say that that bank account, oh, I just, I feel it's making my money, my, my, my numbers in my, in my bank account are making me feel guilty or fearful or sad or, or shameful or whatever it's not the money. Whenever we look at our money and we feel a sense of emotion, the money's not giving us that emotion, that feeling, that sensation. The money is just reflecting back to us what's been there the whole time. That's exactly what you're talking about with the dream space. Jason, I want to shift here now to another big topic within this dreaming uh, aspects and this dream time. And it's the role of music and the role of instruments and using you know, shamanic practices within the music perspective to amplify and bring us closer into the awarenesses around the dream time and around dreaming in general. So I guess where I want to start with this 
And we're going to go a bit deeper here and and we'll finish the show today with an expression of some of your beautiful music and the things moving through you. Let's start simple. Where do you think music, drumming, rattling, singing plays a role within this dream time conversation that we've been having today? Yeah. Thank you. Well, the drum is the heartbeat of our ancestors. It's the heartbeat of our soul. It's the heartbeat of Mother Earth. It's our mother's heartbeat. It's the first instrument we heard in the womb. We heard the bum bum, bum bum. We heard the drum before we heard anything. So it takes us back to our most primal nature and to a connection to our lineage and our reason for being here and to who we really are. So there are four key directions that are used in shamanic culture. There's the north, the south, east, and west, obviously. There's also the center, and then there's the non-cardinal directions like northeast. And, you know, you can break it down a million times. But if we're sticking with the four key directions, each one of those is representing uh, a particular kind of energy. So in the east, with the morning sun, you have the rattle. The first instrument we hear after we're born is the rattle, right? You give a baby a rattle and this is this awakening. And you move into the South and the South is, is the level of healing. And we have the drum in the West. We have this idea of our ancestors and dancing and the great mystery. And they, they, the shamanic cultures use the foot rattles or the clap sticks. And in the North, we use the flute or the bells. And so, each one of these instruments represents a particular kind of medicine based on a particular kind of energy and a, in, in, a, in a larger framework. And so they're used as tools to awaken and harmonize various aspects of ourself. So if you're singing a song for the West, which is more about the physical body, more, you know, the season, the fall, it's about storing and holding and grounding. It's honoring the four-legged ones and our inner teacher, it's dancing, meditation, it's about purpose and imagination. And, you know, this list goes on. You would use a particular kind of beat, a three beat, uh, instead of a four beat or a two beat. And you would, you might use a foot rattle or a clap stick in your song. And so each one of these directions has particular components of them that represent that energy in nature. And there's instruments that go with them. So, you know, the drum, the flute, the rattle, the foot rattles, dancing, singing, sitting in meditation, being in ceremony. These, 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 this is as ancient as, as human. Yeah. And it's, it's an amplification in many ways. It's a, <clears throat> I would encourage people to go back and listen to the episode I did with Mr. Martin on uh, shamanic journeys beyond time and space. And we talked about these four directions within, you know, any kind of medicine journey or ceremony, shamanic journey that we can take. And it, I think a big part of it, my friend, and maybe this resonates with you, it's connected to these primal archetypes that are inside of us that that move through us through generation and incarnation that are just waiting to be embodied at certain points. And when we start to rattle, when we start to drum, when we start to dance, and I want to get back to singing in a second, it awakens, right? And I know that within archetype work that I'm sure you've done a lot of, sometimes many of us are within an internal archetype that is not serving us anymore, right? We've, we've 
such as the archetype of the mother or the teacher or the father or the, you know, the archetypes aren't good or bad. They're just, they serve a role. They help us manifest something, but then we need to be able to see where we need to step out of it into a new one. And I feel that the, the music, the, the, the drums, the rattle, the flute, it awakens maybe an archetype that we haven't created space for yet that needs to manifest. Does that resonate at all? Yeah. I mean, totally. I think we've, this is, would be a very long conversation, but ultimately if you, if you think about the, the reason, the reason to do any kind of ritual is to connect us to these purposeful laws of nature or this archetypal realm. Before you can create a cup, you have to have the idea of the cup, right? So when we're looking around and we're looking at the trees that are in relationship with where with us, where they're giving off oxygen and we're giving off CO2 and how the water and the sun is feeding all of this. And you know, the water comes down into the river and then it goes back up into the sky and it's being cleansed. We are all in this reciprocal relationship with everything around us. And this archetypal realm uh, in the Vedas, they call it the devas, is the blueprint stage. It's the realm of ideas. Everything that's brought into nature has to come from this place, right? We didn't make the trees. What was the intelligence that made this human body? What was the intelligence that is breathing me right now as I'm trying to figure out what to say to you? What's the intelligence that's beating my heart that's digesting my lunch, right? So, you know, all of this exists on this blueprint realm, this ideation level that is making our trees, it's making our planets, it's making our galaxies. And all of that is bringing everything into nature and into matter, right? So there's a lot more I could say about that, no, but ultimately, yes. And any anytime we're connecting with any of these instruments, anytime we're doing purposeful rituals, it's to connect us to this archetypal realm. And you're right, these, the, these four directions are representing archetypal energies of which make all of creation. And they can be, they're sort of, you know, personified laws of nature. Yeah. Jason, I'm really enjoying this chat, my friend. I can feel your, I can feel your passion. I can feel this, this love moving through you that you were just speaking about that, as you said, you know, trying to have this chat and move it through, it's less of a trying and more of an allowing. And I can really feel the, the dreaming that we're creating in this podcast. So I appreciate and I'm grateful for you, my friend. I want to, I want to share a perspective with you. I want to get one more sort of uh, understanding from you before I shift into, I want you to share some of your beautiful drumming and music with the audience listening. But before we get to that, an experience I had a couple of years ago now that I want to get your take on. I, much like I think many of the people listening, we first step our toes into this bigger dreaming reality through relationships with beautiful plant medicines in many different forms out there in the world. And I want to be very clear with my words. Plant medicines aren't the only way to enter this dreaming reality. There are many, many doors to the same space and place. But for me, it was very heavy in my, in my journey. And I was having one particular experience and this beautiful guide who was holding space for me during the ebbs and flows of, of, God and love moving through me and awareness and deeper shadows coming up and all the stuff that comes up in these kinds of experiences. She was singing to me. She was, she was taking the space and place within sort of central and South American cultures of the Icaru. And she was sharing these Icarus and these songs with me. And I noticed 
within the experience as I was moving through my pain and my trauma and I was crying and I was just, I was accepting my shadows, all the stuff. I noticed that the music, what the music was doing, it was, it was allowing me to lovingly surrender and flow and, and let go into some of the things that I usually would have moved away from and suppressed and ignored. And, you know, as Joseph Campbell says, you know, that the treasure is in the cave that we fear to enter. The Ikaru allowed me to enter that cave. I'm wondering what is your perspective on this? What, how does this play a role? What, what comes up? Yeah. I'd like to just share a quick story on that. Um, a few years ago, around February, 2020, my wife and I were going to go down to Solterra, an ayahuasca center in, in Costa Rica to have a group experience. And after we booked the trip, she became pregnant with my, my third child, Kidra, who's now two years old. And so we called down to Solterra and said, oh, you know, I don't think we can probably come on this trip because Kara's pregnant with our, with our child. And, you know, I don't think uh, it's appropriate for a pregnant woman to, you know, obviously be doing ayahuasca or sitting in ceremony or anything like that. And they said, well, let us talk to the uh, Shipibo shamans, the maestros, the maestro, the maestro, and ask them what they think about it. I said, okay. So they called me back a few days later and they said, look, the, the, the shaman said, in our culture, historically, the only people that actually took the medicine were the shamans themselves. And in fact, the medicine is actually the Icaros or the music. And it's only in modern day did people start taking the medicine in the group, which ultimately just opens you up so the Icaros can go in. So we actually, we actually decided to go down and, and do the ceremony. And I went up doing four days of ceremony. And my wife sat in on the experience and had the experience without the medicine. And for both, for both of us, it was completely profound and very powerful. And the, the music being sung to my unborn child was so moving to me that uh, it would be kind of a long story, but almost ripped me apart. In, the, in that moment, that the power be behind them just having that purity and that direct initiation right down to the, the atma of my child sitting in, in ceremony. So I totally agree with you. Um, in, in a ceremony like that with a trained shaman, the music is really doing the healing. The way yeah. it will move, will move inside of you, create an emotion or a feeling or a purging before even your mind can even think about what's happening. It's just this instant connection where you can just see it taking shape inside of your own being. And until you've had that experience, it's quite mind boggling. So music is medicine. The Native Americans say, sing for your life. Sing for your life. It's really, you know, if you can talk, you can sing. If you can walk, you can dance. So this is the essential these are the essential things of, of living, music, vibration, joy. Um, that's medicine. Music is medicine. So profound, <laughs> my friend. I'm, I already found my little snippet for the start of this episode. That was beautiful, sir. And I think that leads perfectly into what you're about to share. But I just want to just reiterate this point for anyone listening and you feel like you want to connect to the dreaming and you see a lot of people around you doing plant medicines and you feel like that is the, that is the role to take. That is the step to take, you know, listen to your heart and follow it if you feel called. But I also want you to know that you don't have to take that step. 
right? If know that there are many other ways, as Jason just highlighted with music, you know, whether it's someone holding sacred space for you to enter that same realm without needing to indulge in the medicines themselves, right? There's, there's options out there for you. And this, this realm that we enter, there are many doors to the same space and place. Jason. And I, I, I just yeah. like to say one thing on that, if that's okay. Yeah, please. The whole, if you do decide to go down the medicine path or the plant medicine path, and by no means am I promoting that for everybody, um, it's been powerful for me. But ultimately, if you don't realize that the point is to allow it to open you to up to what already exists all around you, and then inter- integrate that back into your life. If you're just going journey after journey after journey, it's just becoming a party, a recreational thing. This is a shamanic journey. It's an experience to learn, really to ultimately connect to those laws of nature that we talked about, connecting to this larger part of ourself, to be to see how we're part of this larger wheel of life and we're a part of this huge reciprocal cycle that is way more connected than we could ever imagine. And then to live in that way. But most people actually just go down blow their head off metaphorically with a, a large dose, come back in two to three weeks later, they're just back to their regular old life and consensus reality, you know, in a mild chronic depression. So it's very important about this in a mindful way where you have an appropriate guide, appropriate teacher. Um, you're very methodical about the reasons why you're doing it. You've done all of the prep work, the inner work, the dieting, the art, the the meditation. You're, you're, you're in alignment with all of that. And then you have a very serious integration process back where you can say, what did I learn from this experience and how can I use this to improve my life and those around me? Yeah. So important. The, the integration, again, this goes back to the externalization of the self before we're, we're so busy, (laughs) even in these plant medicine ceremonies, looking to the next thing. So we do it and like, okay, done it, ticked it off had the experience, got the awareness, heard the Icarus, went to Costa Rica, and now let's move on to the next thing. But if we aren't working in as much as the working out of the experience itself, then that balance isn't obtained. Native Americans say a year and a day, a year, a year and a day from your plant ceremony to the next, a year, a year and a day to really integrate everything that you've learned. So you can walk away and really embody that or you're just jumping from experience to experience and you're really just wasting a bunch of medicine. You know, just to say one thing about Angela Sarian, she says, you know, you can learn a lot in the fast lane, but you need to move into the slow lane to integrate. And so, yeah, we can go, we could go speed in the, in the, in the fast lane and go do a plant ceremony, but we really need to move over to the right lane or the left lane, I guess, depending on what country you're in, but move into the slow lane and really slow down and integrate it and see how this can work for us in our life. Yeah. Uh, if, if you're listening to this again, if this is another trigger point for you, really <laughs> sit with this. And this is where I think, and I agree with this, where people come to me sometimes and they say, you know, how can plant medicines be a part of the spiritual practice? And I think this is where this beautiful medicine does tiptoe over to the other side of being a challenge when we don't do these steps that Jason is beautifully highlighting when we don't, take the awareness, take the attention, take the integration and the love. Jason, I want to now sort of transition into what you were beautifully saying before about this music allowing us to open the gateway. And I want to, before we finish up this podcast here, 
with our final, my final question for you, I want to now give you the opportunity to share with the beautiful listeners who have been connecting to your voice today, a bit of your own music, a bit of your own beautiful voice. And we talked about you sharing maybe some drumming, maybe some music that might be coming up for you. So I'd love to give you the mic now, my friend, to share anything you would like to share. Yeah. Thanks for the opportunity. Um, you know, you kind of, well, you didn't spring it on me, but you sort of did in a way. So I'm, I'm, I'm letting That's it kind of sponta- spontaneously come up. But one of the things I think might be useful is if I just lead everybody in with this, this very simple meditation called the Ishtaba breath that I learned from White Eagle Medicine Woman, and then allowing that to take you into your, deeper into your heart. And I will sing a Native American vision quest song for one or two rounds. And just allow this song to see what can call what you can call forward in your dreaming in your life at this moment. So we'll start with the heartbeat rhythm as we discussed, and then I'll, you'll just hear my voice and a little bit of singing. So focusing your attention on your heart, dropping into your heart space. Breathing from the right side of your heart to the left. And from the left to the right. And breathing from the bottom of your heart to the top. And the top of your heart to the bottom. front of your heart to the back and from the back of your heart to the front. Now breathing from your heart all the way up to your crown, top of your head and from your crown down to your feet. from your feet back to your heart. That was beautiful, my friend. It's funny. I was, I dropped in and as you were setting up the drumming, 
uh, there was a lot of tightness around my shoulders and I felt very rigid. I felt, you know, tight. I felt there was a lot of thoughts moving through me. And then I started focusing on that beautiful breath and the crown and the root with the heart. And then you sat, and then you started singing <laughs> immediately as your voice hits, my shoulders dropped. Like there was an actual, like physical, there was a physical, it wasn't like an energetic, it wasn't energetic drop, but it was like my, my shoulders literally just went like this. And oh, I just, I loved it. Thank you for sharing that, my friend. And I think it really shows that singing element that you were talking about before and what it can allow us to you know, surrender into, but mostly let go of. For me, and I'll just share this transparently here, when I do these podcasts, there's a lot of things moving through me, not just things that I want to flow and share with people like you and the guest and the people listening, but, you know, timing and making sure that I'm respectful of your time and my time. And when that music hit me, all of those beliefs, all of those worries, all of those thoughts, they just, they didn't become irrelevant, but the, the tension and the tightness that were holding onto me, they, they left. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you for that experience. Paying attention to those little body experiences and those emotions, that's part of that dreaming process. So it's very, it's very good that you're aware of that. And instead of pushing that away, you know, one can notice that in their awareness and explore those feelings. So, you know, I'm all about going over our, our edges, right? Our edges are these things that say, oh, we can't do this. You know, a man has to be like this or a woman has to be like that, or I can't sing in public or I can't do that. And ultimately, yeah, ex experiencing inside of myself, yes, I'm a little bit nervous to sing on this podcast or, you know, I didn't really warm up my voice or this or whatever, yeah. but then really just moving through that and just expre expressing yourself and going for it. That's what, you know, I think brings a lot of juice to life. It's stepping into our wholeness by becoming becoming more than we think we we are, right? You know, it's about dancing like no one's watching. It's like singing like you're in the shower by yourself and just not caring and really embodying that that makes us um, really individuate into more whole and enlivened people. Yeah. If you've listened to this whole episode thus far, beautiful beings out there in the podcast world, you know, where can you take what Jason just said and implement that into your life, right? What is the thing in your relationship with your partner? What is the thing in your business? What is the thing in your health that you can do what he just said, right? Surrender into, find that edge and, you know, move beyond it, move beyond it and ask yourself, how can I express that? Jason, I, uh, I've loved this chat and it's been a fun little roller coaster here today. Before I get to last question and we finish up here, I want to give you the opportunity now. I know that you're sort of stepping back out into the world now with your gifts, your abilities, the, the things that you're sharing with the world. If my listeners have really connected to your beautiful message and your voice today and they want to connect to you, what, what offerings, what, you know, your website, what do you want to share yeah. with everyone? Yeah, the simplest way is just to go to my website, jasonpicard.org. I'm sure you'll list it in the show notes and you can, you can connect with me there. You can read a little bit more about me and you can, you could email me and I'd be happy to chat with you. Yeah. I love it. And yeah, as always, beautiful souls, click the details of the episode in Spotify or Apple, wherever you're listening to this and you'll see 
all of Jason's beautiful resources, websites, and ways to connect to him. My friend, the last question I have here for you today, and uh, <laughs> I'm already predicting we could, yeah, <laughs> I'm already predicting we could do an episode just on this in itself. But the theme of this uh, podcast, the intention is to really get to the deeper definitions of what love is in this world, right? Love as as I define it, is really this deeper mystical embodiment of love that is inside and outside of us. So I'm wondering, sir, how do you personally define that love word yourself? Well, this is quite a, a long topic to be, to be honest. Um, there are many, there are many different answers, right? Um, Paul Cech quotes love as being the flow of energy and information um, to empathetic, empathetic and compassionate flow of energy information between two people to self or other. Um, he also has the, the love model, which is L being life or desire, zero being full potential and VE standing for both electron or will. But for me, the, the important thing it, 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 to ask is, w- ask yourself, why is there so much beauty all around me? Why am I so hopelessly attracted to all this beauty? And why can't we keep it, right? If you go back to my original story, I had all of this material stuff, but why did that feel so empty, right? Maybe we can have it for a minute, a year, 20 years, 50 years, but ultimately it fades and it seems like, you know, it it was just like that. So we're all attracted by this force and it's the most powerful force on the planet, right? So we're asking these questions, how can we hold on to this? And so in, in English, we use the word love. And that's not a very descriptive word. I, mean, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Anchorman, but yeah. yeah, it reminds me of this thing, this, this part where Ron Burgundy is screaming out, I love Veronica, you know, and he's screaming at the top of his lungs and, and they go back and, and they're saying, one of the guys is saying, Ron, tell us what love is, is like. And he says, well, you know, it's really hard to explain. And someone's saying, oh, you know, I've been in love once. And uh, Ron says, well, what was her name? And he goes, oh, I don't remember. He goes, I don't think that that's really love, right? And then you have the other character saying, I love lamp. I love this. I love that. So we really do, we really do say that. We really say, oh, I love my job. I love my daughter. I love my grandma. I love this. I love pizza. But in the Vedas, they have these rasas or these tastes of love, right? So there's all of these different kinds of loves. There's the shanta rasa, where it's like the love you have with a pet. There's an intimacy, but it's across species, right? Yeah. Then there's this dasium. There's this love of being in service. So it's this part of service that's rewarding and fulfilling. And, you know, you could be serving a great figure that's really supporting the world, or you could be serving, um, you know, an intimate partner. You could be serving great spirit. There's this, there's friendship. There's the love between two best friends, somebody that you would tell your most intimate secrets to that you give the keys to your house. There's the love that you have with a baby, right? And then there's this, there's this intimate love as well. And there, there's a lot of there's a lot of different things we can go into here, but for the sake of time, we'll just say that this is the ultimate question: is that how can we find this everlasting beauty in this world that it seems 
so temporary when it comes to, to these, these kinds of things. And it really is exploring these relationships in a loving, fresh way. And it's realizing that ultimately we need to turn from outside to inside, that having this relationship with this archetypal realm, having this relationship with spirit and having this relationship with ourselves and having these different kinds of rasas or these tastes or flavors or dances that we're in in life, these, that's how we ultimately experience and find these things. It's not a one size fits all or a one flavor, you know, only vanilla ice cream kind of thing. And this would be an entire podcast, but no, yeah, I, I think I, it's I beautiful. Was it was, yeah. it really was my friend. And I, you know, welcome to this podcast. Welcome to why I sort of felt the pull to really connect into this word, not just through the teachings within the Czech Institute, that, that breakdown that you gave with the love L-O-V-E, but there's just, and just to add my quick reflection here, those, those beautiful nuances and those unique expressions of the love between the different kinds. For me, there's a lot of, it's not a matter of adding on of this love. It's a pulling back of the layers of that love that's been there the whole time. Right. And the question that, that comes up through that is what are those layers? Right. And for many of us, it's a lot of what we've talked about today. We know whether it be through the collective events, whether it be through the things that we, that we don't put in or are toxically putting in our body through our unconscious traumas, all these things. So yeah, well, I might have to have you back my friend and we can do an episode just on that four letter word. I uh, love you very much. sir. thank you for spending time with me today. Thank you for sharing your love with everyone listening, beautiful souls out there in the podcast world. Thank you for giving us your attention, your, your ears, your heart today. We will catch you next time here on the Cosmic Love Antenna. But until then, we both love you very much and we'll see you very soon. Bye, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Cosmic Love Antenna podcast. We hope you enjoyed. Be sure to follow Harrison on Instagram, Twitter, and Clubhouse at Harrison Ma. That's Harrison, M-E-A-G-H-E-R. Welcome to Ringside with Ray and Prince. My name is Ray Leonard Jr. Oh, is that No, that's just my dad. My name is Prince Daniels Jr. Daniels again with a big hole. On this show, we come to humanize athletes, entertainers, business executives. We're going to see what makes them tick. Tuesdays, 10 a.m. Pacific time on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, and wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you there. Peace and power. Electric acid. Welcome to Sarah Talk Solutions. Ladies and gentlemen, you've tuned into a bit of a different type of show. I'm Sarah B and I'm your host. You can find me on my IG, which is Aussie underscore Sarah underscore LA. I talk about amazing, relevant conversations and topics and what functions that goes on in this magical, wonderful, wonderful city of the City of Angels. My IG, which is Aussie underscore Sarah underscore LA. Electric acid.